to the Prophecy Club. Today we are going to be talking about cities of refuge and what do you do when all of this is coming. I got an email just a couple hours ago from a new listener. He says, I've just recently started watching your channel since all the dreams started happening. I've also recently, parenthesis, as of this year, left the LDS Mormons as I have realized that it was created and controlled by the Masons. I'm now just a regular, normal, awake Christian, but have been a conspiracy theorist for a number of years. I have recently, as of this year, hit upon this idea of cities of refuge, as in cities where Christians can live in relative safety from the coming destruction that Father will be bringing upon us. The idea would be a place for new Christians to go as they accept Jesus into their lives during the end times, or as a place for current Christians to be able to either weather the storm of God's wrath or as a safe place to rest while performing the harvest. But whatever the city is used for, we need a location, a piece of land that it could be built on or an already prepared location. I know the Mormons know that their city of refuge is Independence, Missouri, but will they still be controlled by the Masons while there? Or will they be separated from that control and on their own point? No one really knows at this point, but I'm still looking for a location. I know of an engineer that is looking for a location to build the plans for a city he got out of the Old Testament. If you've heard of anything or know of anyone that has any information about a city or a location, a place of refuge, please let me know. I originally got this idea from this guy, which he linked and didn't look so good. He gives talks about this and other things and already uh, do a type of a city of refuge type thing now already. All right. Now, what's he talking about? All right. Well, the big question is, Stan, if this stuff hits, <laughs> when this stuff hits, and we hope it's the if rather than the when, but for just right now, the question is, where do we go? Well, in the natural, I'm going to say that you want to be with Christians. So if you're living in an area with a low percentage of Christians, that's not so good. Now, take it, for example, me, I live in the DFW area, and this is a high percentage of Christians. But it's really not where we live or even who we live with, but who is in our heart. Let me first of all say it this way. Yes, I had a dream. I've talked about it many times. I didn't bring it up exactly to date, but it was like 15, 18 years ago. I dreamed that I was looking down on an airplane and there were people getting in this airplane. They were going up the stairs and it was a jet. And I heard the words say, two men will get on a plane with a virus. And before the plane can land, everyone on board will be dead. This will be the beginning of the end of public air transportation. And I said, what? And I got rebuked. And it turns out it was maybe a good thing because then the whatever it was, repeated it twice, and it said, you weren't listening, and repeated it the second time. Two men will get on a plane with a virus, and before the plane can land, everyone on board will be dead. This will be the beginning of the end of public air transportation. I've told that many times on the air here, and up to this point, I have been saying, well, when that happens, when there's a plane that goes down, everyone on board is dead from a virus before the plane can land, then, as far as I'm concerned, put everything, everything up for sale, and I'm moving probably to Israel, and mail me a check. But that was assuming that all of the soul winning had been done. 
since soul winning is more important than my life, I got to stay here until the Lord is done with me. Now, my attitude is this. I serve the Lord. Yeah, I know I serve him full time. And you may be saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you serve him full time. I don't serve him full time. So maybe I'm different than you. Maybe you're going to get more protection than me. Well, I believe that, yeah, to a certain degree is full time servants and those with a, a call from him to do something probably have a little bit more protection than someone that doesn't. But I also believe that it is even more important about our heart. Is our heart clean? If we have a clean heart, and I mean no spot, no wrinkle, if we're living in righteousness to the very best of our ability, we all make mistakes, and I'll tell you I do too. But, you know, that's why the blood of Jesus is there. Nevertheless, if we're clean, then he is going to protect us. But then, like Dale Carnegie said, ask yourself what's the worst can happen. Accept it and try to improve on it. Okay, all right, fine, let's do that. What's the very, very worst thing could happen? In terms of being a Christian, I think most people would say to be beheaded. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, okay? That's the thing we fear the most. Well, of course, the beast knows that, and that's the reason he is going to put many of us through the worst test. Okay, so let me tell you a little story. I put this in the, the book, Miss the Mark. I remember Prophecy Club hadn't been going very long, probably a year, year and a half. And Leslie asked me to come in and sit down. We sat down at the kitchen table. I could show you the very chair I was sitting in. And she says, I want to say something to you. If you are ever, like blackmailed, if you are ever tempted to bend or buckle over me or the children, I just want to say something. I want to say that you don't own us. We are not yours. We belong to the Lord. And if there's ever a time when they say, you have to tell us, or you have to do this, or we're going to harm, or we're going to do something to your wife or your children, I want you to be strong. I don't want you to bend. And I want you to know that we're in the Lord's hands, not yours. Well, I can't tell you what a relief that was to me. So then we talked about the most difficult thing. Okay, so what's the most difficult thing? Okay, so let's say the day arrives. You're standing in line, and you're in line to the guillotine. You see that big old sharp blade up there. You hear it falling every couple of minutes. You see the blood dripping from it. You see the line is getting shorter and shorter. Just like Ken Peters said in his dream, which is also in the book, Miss the Mark. Every few minutes, someone just bursts out in fear. And they run out of line. There was a man walking up and down the line with a clipboard in his hand saying, we have a dry place for you to sleep. We have food and water. We have showers. All you have to do is deny him. They would never say the name. All you have to do is deny him. What do you do? Well, Kim Peters said he was standing in line, and he said it got close enough to where I could see what they were doing. He said they weren't tying their hands behind them. And they weren't bending over, being chopped from behind. They had to lay down on a table. And then they had these two beams like stuck out. And the person laid down. And they had two people that just quickly kind of threw a rope over their arms. And then the blade came down facing them. And it hit them, their neck from the front. And he said, and I saw this. And I got into a lot of fear. And he said, I said in my heart, Lord, I, I don't want to deny you. <laughs> He said, but I was really shaken. 
I was really shaken. He said, I don't want to deny you, Lord, but I'm really scared. And he said, help me. He said, about that time, it was like warm oil had been poured over me from the top down. He said, this peace came on me like warm oil being poured on my head. And as it came down, he said, all of a sudden, all of the fear was gone. He says, it was as if the Lord had said, don't fear to lose what you cannot keep to get what you cannot lose. In other words, don't fear. Okay, so what's the worst thing can happen? The worst thing can happen is probably to be beheaded. Okay, so can we accept that? Can we accept that that worst moment might come? Well, the time to discuss it, the time to make the decision, my brothers and sisters, is right now. Decide right now, now, that you're not going to bend, you're not going to buckle, you're not going to step out of line. So my wife and I discussed it. And we decided, okay, here's what I would do. I would turn around to my little two-year-old daughter, which is now Leslie Ann that runs the praise and worship for us at the, the church. And also she's going to be at this solemn September assembly running the praise and worship. She's awesome. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll tell you a little story about her. She uh, signed up for this American Idol singing contest, and she was doing really good. She went through several of the levels, and two of the judges came to her and pulled her aside and said, okay, we are not going to pass you. This is where you stop, because we see you have too much talent. If you continue, you sign those papers, they will own you for the rest of your life. We don't want you in that. So we're going to see to it that this is your last level. You don't go any further. I believe that was the Lord because, see, as her dad, I've been praying, Lord, don't let her get into something where she could fall away. Well, I believe it's an answer to my prayer. What I'm trying to say is she's very good, very talented. She could make her living singing, but instead she serves the Lord. Anyway, let's let's go back. So we decided, okay, what's the worst thing to do? Okay, I decided, well, what I would do at that point is get down on my knees, turn to my little two-year-old daughter and say, okay, honey, I'm going to try not to get emotional. Okay, honey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go on up there. And, and by the way, the person with the clipboard was saying, okay, Mr. Johnson, you have to understand, we don't start with you. First, we're going to start with your daughter and then your second son. Then we go to your first son. Then we go to your wife. Then we go to you. So I decided I was going to get on my knees and say, don't fight them. Go ahead and walk up on up there, and you'll be with Jesus in just a moment. You won't feel a thing. That's another thing. Ken Peters said when the blade touched the, the, the millisecond, it touched his skin, he was gone. He never felt pain, never felt a thing. And if you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you read about the people that are burned at the stakes. They didn't feel a thing. As the flame is coming up, as it finally burned off the ropes, off of their hands, and they lifted their hands, they were singing praises and praising the Lord. They were not feeling any of the flames coming up on them. They say that that's one of the blessings, they call it the martyr's blessing, that they don't feel pain when they're dying for the Lord. So I told her, so you go on up there, or I will tell her, of course now she's grown and three kids, uh, go on up there lay down, you'll be with Jesus just a minute, and your two brothers and your mom and me will be with you in just a moment. In other words, we have to ask ourselves, what's the worst can happen? Accept it and try to improve on it, okay? So is it so bad to get the highest crown in the kingdom? 
Is it so bad to get the highest resurrection? Is it so bad to get the morning star? Is it so bad, like the angel said, What are these arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. He said unto me, These are they, which came out of great tribulation, and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. Is it so bad to say, And he that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out? And I write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my, my new name. Is it so bad to think that you could be one of the thrones? Remember, uh, I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, which did not receive the mark on their forehead or in their hand, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Is that so bad? Is it so bad to know that we would live for all eternity in the presence of Jesus because we gave our life for him? Is that so bad to know that we would be one of those and his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their forehead? Is that so bad? So can we today, my brothers and sisters, can we today set our heart that no matter what happens, yeah, we're going to prepare. Mm-hmm. Can't prepare for everything. But I tell you what we can do. We can prepare for the worst, and the worst, and the worst, and the worst is to lose our head for Jesus. But is that so bad? Okay, so think about it. Think it through. If we are truly sold out to Jesus, if we have truly given our heart to Jesus, and listen, and listen, and our head to Jesus, if we've truly said, Lord, if I'm thrown into boiling oil like John the Revelator was, if I'm beheaded, if I'm beaten, if I'm buried up to the neck and ants are crawling all over me, if I'm doing it for you, I know it's going to be okay. If we could truly give our heart and our death to Jesus, then we don't really have to worry, now do we? See, so yeah, I'm doing some preparations. But at the same time, just like the angel that spoke to Dana Coverstone, he said, but don't rely on your own strength. Yeah, 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 okay. Fine, we're going to prepare, but we're not going to rely on it. We're relying on our prayer closet. Every night when I drop to my knees in my prayer closet, here I go, start getting emotional. I try not to. When I drop to my knees for my prayer closet, and I say, here I am. <laughs> here I am, Lord. Here I am again. You can't get rid of me. Here I am again. I come because I love you, because you've earned it, because you deserve it. Okay, let's go on to August 10th. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Dana Coverstone, I call it people like firecrackers, but I want to give you some encouragement. I saw a finger appear, point to the second week of October. It dragged the finger through the second week to the third week in the month. Third week of the month of October, then it pointed October 31st, and it held that position and tapped it there three times. Now I'm going to skip. Then I saw a rock fly out of the sky and land in the large pond. That's possibly and probably a meteor. In other words, we don't pray this stuff away, and we're about to get hit with the destruction of our nation. We don't have a choice. We have to fast. We have to pray this off. Now I'm going to skip down again because here's my point. Then I saw small churches, small groups of people kneeling and praying. 
that were wrestling in prayer with the spirit of the age, these kneeling, praying people, here it is, protected bubbles of bubbles of safety. Angels were around them, guarding them. Now, here's my point. We're going to pray protection. We're going to pray the angel around about us. But at the same time, my brothers and sisters, if we find ourselves in a line with a man walking up and down the line with a clipboard saying, food, a shower, place to sleep, just deny him. We've already made our decision. We're not going to deny him. We're going to try to get prepared. We're going to try to live a nice life best we can. But at the same time, you can't threaten us with eternal security. You can't threaten us with being one of the overcomers. You can't threaten us when we can live face-to-face with Jesus and have his name written on our forehead. You can't threaten us with that. If that's what it comes to, that's what it comes to. Now, let's go back to the point of the broadcast. I know that there are a lot of people that are preparing to run up into the hills or way out in the woods. I cannot tell you one prophecy. 28 years, radio, 160 guest speakers, 330 DVDs we've had at the Prophecy Club, and I can't tell you one speaker, not one, that was ever told by an accurate dream or vision or audible voice or an angel visit that said, when the times come, you need to run to the hills, run out to the mountains, none of that, except one time. Dimitri Dudeman said he was taken to a wooded area, someplace what he thought was up in the Kansas, Missouri area, and he said, when the time comes, I will bring you and many people to this area. In other words, he wasn't willing to tell him that at that point he was near death, okay? This is a wooded area where I'm going to protect them. But if you'll notice, it said, I am going to bring them to this area. I do not know of any other time when anyone has been told by the Lord to run to the mountains, run out to the hills, run out to the woods for protection. However, I can give you many quotes from many people where there are cities of refuge being formed, meaning that the real protection is going to be in cities. Here's what Shane Warren said. At the same time, I saw the church arise with healing in the wings for this moment. I saw God prospering greatly, many acquiring things, and a great wealth transfer coming to the hands of believers. Churches, here it is, became cities of refuge. The body of Christ stood up like a mighty sleeping giant in the earth and began to minister. People were coming in. Signs, wonders, and miracles were poured out all over America. I saw America being shaken as the worldly couldn't go to the government for help anymore. They had to go to the church for help. Entire cities became cities of refuge. There was life, safety, peace, and the presence of God in the cities. People were running to the cities. Revival arrived. It was a two-sided coin. As judgment hit, so did God's miracle revivals. As great inflation caused economic storm, great revival arrived. God will raise up his church, meaning... The real safety place is in the secret place. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, 
nor for the earth that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at the right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eye shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. He shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, shalt thou trample underfoot. Meaning, when we dwell in the secret place, when we have a prayer closet, when we have developed the habit ongoing for years that we fall to our knees each night to worship our God, not to beg. It's not a shopping list. God is not the great gumball machine in the sky. Matter of fact, I don't go to the prayer closet to get. I go to the prayer closet to give, to give my worship. I sometimes will sing to him, have to sing low so I don't wake Leslie up. But i that's my source. That's my strength. Surprisingly, even though I memorize the book of Revelation, my strength is not in the Word of God. It's very important. I'm not <laughs> taking that away from it. My strength is in my worship. My strength is in my prayer closet. Every blessing that I have has all come from my prayer closet. Because when I worship Him, then He will set me on high. Then He will lift me up. Then He will cause people to give into my bosom, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And yeah, I mean, other things have to be right. It's not the only thing. But it starts there. Of all of the great servants of God that I have met, every one of them, their strength comes from their prayer closet. I remember one morning, Dimitri called me into his hotel room. I was in one room, and him and Michael were in the other room. He says, come in here, we must pray. And of course, he said this through Michael because he didn't speak English. So we got on our knees beside the bed, and we prayed. It wasn't even a long prayer. But you see, it taught me something. Dimitri Dudeman's strength. I mean, you get put through five months of torture, you got to have a strength. Your strength and his strength came from his prayer closet, on his knees, worshiping God. So if our relationship is right, if we have a prayer closet, if we do know our God, then we will be strong and do exploits. I can do nothing except I abide in the vine. April 6, 2007. This comes to us from Michael Boldea, grandson and interpreter for Dimitri Dudeman. This comes from the dream he had called A New War is Coming. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just want to come down here and read one paragraph. He said, What you heard were the chariots of war. They are swiftly approaching. A new war is coming, but it will be unlike this present one. Well, I think we're about to go into that war, and it's talking about a spiritual war. Speak as you have spoken. I don't want to say that. Even as now the enemies plot, even now their enemies unite under one banner. Soon they will make their intentions known to the world. Now, here's what I want you to hear. There is no refuge but in the Father. He will guide and protect those who know his voice. December 27, 2018. This comes to us from Maurice Scalar. He had a vision called the time of grace shall be extended. It takes 30 minutes to read through it. I'm not going to read the whole thing just want to read this one sentence. Those that will abide in me in the secret place, I will provide for and protect. Those that do not are in more and more peril with each passing day. 
This comes to us from Dimitri Dudman, A Call to War, September 1993. Those that live in defilement, that meditate upon evil things, will have no escape. They will not have my protection. I will destroy Babylon, that's America. But the wickedness and blasphemy of this country, not only here, but everywhere there is sin. I will punish it harshly. Only the righteous will I save, some even out of the midst of the fire. July 25, 2010, Prophet Leslie, my wife, was given this dream. She says, I was watching a mudslide in progress. Some houses had already fallen. We began going from house to house shouting, You're on the edge. If you don't want to fall in the mudslide, you have to balance your house. I believe she's talking about you got to get your financial house. And, of course, we're talking about your spiritual house, too. But this is talking about your financial house, meaning get out of debt, get prepared. You have to stop standing on the edge and hanging over. Only a few houses remained standing. Then the scene changed. Stan and I were on a boat floating in the mud. There were already many fish in our boat, but suddenly... Fish from all directions began jumping out of the mud, meaning the world of sin, into our boat. Among them were several large fish. I was holding a very unusual-looking fish that had no scales. It looked like a skinned cat. Stan said, What is that? I replied, It's a fish, as if you can't see. Stan inquired, Why is this so strange-looking? I've never seen a fish like that before. I answered, This fish looks like a chicken with the skin peeled off because they have nothing to protect them now. They're jumping into the boat when their houses fell in the mudslide, meaning just around the corner, there is great financial difficulty. Only those people who are close to the Lord would be provided and protected, and many that are in the mud, in the sand, in the world, are going to jump out of the mud, and they're going to jump, jump into the boat to Jesus. We're about to see a lot of people saved. Dimitri Dudeman, 1997. I'm only going to read part of it. The angel said, I've spoken to you as a father speaks to his own children. I've shown you what will be, that you may prepare your hearts and strengthen your spirits for the day of battle. Dark days are coming soon upon the earth, days of warning and great sadness. I tarry for those who seek me with a pure heart. Now here's the point. I give strength to those who seek me continually. Notice it didn't say those who visit church once in a while, pray once in a while, seek him continually. Then let's jump to 1993. This one's a long one. I don't have time to read, but it's the Black Army. By the way, these are in the book, God's Warning to America, prophecyclub.com. Get the book. Awesome book. It tells a story about how a great army was attacking a group of Christians. The Christians begin shouting out the verses of the Bible. And then Lucifer, heading up this great black army, couldn't touch him. As they began to close in on us, a powerful light appeared and encircled us. The angel of the Lord said, Take out your swords and fight. Defend yourself. Be victorious over the enemy. What swords? A man of the group asked. The word of the Lord. That is your sword. The angel answered. When we understood what the angel meant, we began to quote Bible verses. They didn't have the courage to come against us anymore. Lucifer, filled with rage, turned to those on the left and said, All of you whose all of your life have been trying to please two masters, because you could not stand against me, now I have the power to destroy you. Then he ordered his dark army. A total massacre took place. The ones on the left could not defend themselves anymore. One by one, they all fell. The killing seemed to go on for a long time. We asked, why could they not be protected also, someone asked. The angel answered, because all of their life they had been lukewarm. 
because of the hypocrisy, the true church has been blasphemed. They have brought disrespect to the word of God. They were not clean. CornerstoneAssetMetals.com is owned by a prophecy student who reads his King James Bible and supports Prophecy Club. Call CornerstoneAssetMetals.com for gold, silver, palladium, rhodium bars, or coins. They can help you roll over your IRA, 401k, so tell CornerstoneAssetMetals.com Prophecy Club sent you. When a nuclear device is detonated, the wind blows the dust settling on everything around you. Then you breathe, eat, or absorb radioactive iodine, which then kills your thyroid and kills you. A simple fix is to immediately take potassium iodate pills, which flood your thyroid with good iodine, keeping the radioactive iodine out. You need one bottle per person per exposure for everyone from infant to adult. Ten bottles available for a gift of $225 or $25 per bottle at prophecyclub.com. Shelf life from five to eight years, potentially more if you refrigerate or freeze it. That's prophecyclub.com potassium iodate pills. You can have instant access to over 200 titles on a recurring monthly subscription of $20 or yearly for $200 at watchprophecyclub.com. Click like, share, and subscribe. Download our free app from the App Store. Click like, share, and subscribe. 